airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Is mm-hmm. it doing the same thing? No, Am you're I good. good? You're good? good. Okay, great. Welcome to the Friday edition of Erin the Addison's mm-hmm. on American Family Radio. We're so glad that you're here. Yeah. Um, Friday. We have made it. We have yes. we have made it to Friday in America. Look at Sherry B. Just giving a little upraised hand there, right there. Sort of like just a little bit of a Baptist hand. It's not a full-on charismatic <laughs> hand. It's not fully extended. Oh, oh wait goodness. a minute. Charisma right over there. <laughs> um, was, she started off a little bit Baptist, and then she started feeling it. So, she got you know, a little loose. Charismatic. Uh, get spraying loose. into action. Welcome <laughs> to your Friday. We're so glad that you're listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. It's Chick-fil-A Activism Friday. I hope that you've had the opportunity to partake. I try to, um, I try to you know, engage in Chick-fil-A activism differently each week. And so I try to find creative ways to do that. Um, and we keep you up to date on that on our social media page, yeah. which by the way, if you haven't gone to like the Aaron, the Addison's page on Facebook, then, you know, if you want, you don't have to, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, you know, but yeah, go like that. Go ahead you know? and like it. If, if in fact you like it, follow you'll, us you'll or find, whatever you do. Yeah. Like it. You're yeah. right. You'll find pictures and, and posts there. Yeah. Uh, we repost the show's episodes there. And so you can go check that out. If there's anything you hear and you go, man, I got to listen to that again. Uh, you'll be able to find that at the page. Uh, you'll also be able to find it when you go to AFR.net. That's right. And we hope that you'll go check that out as well. Get the podcast. The links are in the podcast. Yes, so yes. if you're like scratching your head and you go, man, what's your source text? <laughs> what evidence do you have for that? Where was that article? Then we post that information yeah, there and we the hope that you'll in. go check it out. And you can email us at addisons at AFA.net. Addisons at AFA.net. Is that right? No, I think it's AFR. I'm sorry. Addisons at AFR.net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you though, it, it wasn't until you asked, is that right? That I realized <laughs> it wasn't. I was just going to go along because I, I, it's, it sounded right to me. So it's AFR.net. Um, yeah. Addison's at AFR.net. Somebody just said, you know what, Addison's, we need you guys to know what you're talking about. <laughs> and let me just tell you something. That's too much to ask. <laughs> to ask radio broadcasters to know what they're talking about is <laughs> way too much. You're expecting too much. Anyways, hey, look, we had a full week. And so yes. what I want to do, this is our gumbo Friday. It is. And uh, what that means is that everything kind of goes into the pot. Of course, we make mention of Chick-fil-A and talk about what's going on, which interestingly enough, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Mm. But there are real-time Chick-fil-A stories almost every week. I mean, yes, there is something. This song is wonderful. I need this as a ringtone. Do people still do ringtones on their phones, or is that uh, so 2005? I guess people still do. Yeah. I need this as a ringtone. This would be the background music for right now. Just be blessed wherever you are. <laughs> yep. The thing is, as they sing it, I think you can smell it. <laughs> if you're willing... Oh my goodness! What a, what a ministry! <laughs> hey, look! If Kanye can do it, no, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let's not. Let's a Friday. Let's leave the past in the past, and let's get to Friday. Actually, uh, what I want to do is I want to recap and and uh, mm-hmm. want to kind of take you through this week, and then also want to open the phone lines and get your take on some of the things that we have discussed. I know that we haven't really heard from you a whole lot this week, and so maybe there's some of the topics that we went over 
that you thought, man, you know, I really want to chime in on that. I've, I've got an opinion about that critical race theory thing, mm. and I want to I talk to the Addisons about it. Then you can give us a call. I'm going to open up the phone lines, but let me just, let me just caution you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some clips that I want to play for you. Okay. So if you are, you know, if you don't have unlimited minutes. <laughs> you don't want to be on hold. You might just want to wait a second. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll open the phone lines up when we come back. Maybe we do that. How about that? Yeah, that way we don't get people yeah. waiting. And, yeah. you know. Um, That's good. That's very thoughtful of you. Well, you're welcome. That's just what I do. You know, <laughs> I thoughtful. <laughs> I thoughtful. Hmm. <laughs> everything doesn't become a <laughs> the verb the kids would be like um they would um. they would be so yeah they love to they love can i just tell you your children love and i think it's because i'm the teacher so you know it's negative uh your your kids love the opportunity to correct me and they, me too they yeah that's true <laughs> the grandma stuff like this. they love it they love I'm it like, they love to have look, the upper I said hand it right yeah jd <laughs> is working through now he has learned how to write in cursive but he doesn't prefer it Mm-hmm. And so he's he said, you know, which, by the way, some schools stopped teaching cursive writing, yeah, I know. which was crazy perplexing to me. To me. Yeah. I thought, how do you sign your name? Right. And I guess you you, we that. do a lot of things digitally, but I don't know. So I, yeah. you know, at the Addison Homeschool, we decide we're going to still need cursive. to learn. Yeah. yeah Even so if they print all the time, they yeah. still would know how to, to know how to do it to, and how yeah. to read it. Right. And how, and how to read, read it. it. Yeah. So anyways, um, but I was checking his work and one time there was one time for one assignment that I told him, okay, don't worry about cursive because he says it slows him down. He's putting too much thought into how to make his letters. He's a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So it really does slow him down because he wants every letter to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain to him that your handwriting is almost like your fingerprint, that everybody's handwriting is different. So your letters, I, I actually don't require perfection in handwriting. Mm. Now, I know there are some teachers who would say, no, you have to. I remember in school, yeah, teachers right. would check to make sure it was perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, I really want him to know how to write it and how to read it but I want him to understand that it's eventually going to be his own handwriting right. and, you know, yeah. it's going to look different. Anyway, I was checking through his work and he took that one um, sort of, you know, how do you describe it? I said that one time you didn't have to do it in cursive. You can right. do that in print. So all of it, uh, he started doing in print. And, and I was like, no, buddy. <laughs> it was just for that one time and he said oh i thought that meant everything and i was like that's, <laughs> that, that's convenient he was looking for that way out yeah he the was. way of escape uh, yeah the law will it. provide he didn't find it um <laughs> anyways so so we want to recap this week's shows and uh go back into some conversation uh one of the ones that really um i guess kind of sticks in my craw here as as our listeners could tell is critical race theory yeah uh, social justice and um you know the cultural marxism and the difference between right. that and classical marxism and just some of the things that we don't we don't actually unpack those things. You know, we hear the terminology, we hear some of the communication, but right. it doesn't actually make sense to us. So anyway, I wanted to double back to that. But just so that you could be thinking when we do queue up the phone lines, you could be thinking about what you want to talk about. Uh, just a reminder, this week we talked about Kanye West, the Church of Kanye West and Latter-day Saints mm-hmm. and uh, Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. We talked about King Hezekiah disease. We had Abraham Hamilton, the third host yeah. of the Hamilton Corner on with us and we talked about that not caring about the next generation mm. and what that actually looks like uh we had our brother Stephen feinstein on with us on wednesday to talk about uh critical race theory yeah. and even a resolution on critical race theory for the southern baptist convention that's right and uh <laughs> and so that's we're probably going to double back to that okay yeah. we're probably going to you know and then yesterday we got to spend some time with the wogamoose and i so enjoyed it 
It was mm-hmm. so much fun for me. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad I introduced you to my yeah, friends? Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you're welcome. I mean, that's yeah. what happens. When people get married, they bring their friends and everything. And so I'm glad <laughs> I... Look, watch this. I'm glad I got to introduce you to Nancy and Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my buddies. Sure. Just kidding. Um, anyways, <laughs> but let's get started, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, critical race theory. Yeah. My great concern... and and. Here's what I learned in watching some of the social media posts and, you know, just you and I talking about it behind the scenes. I think that there are some people who thought that you and I were confused on what critical race theory is and maybe its usefulness in the church. Okay. That even we were confused about it. Um, No, we're not. No. (laughs) We are not confused about critical race theory, nor are we confused about the ultimate end of it. Right. Right. What you heard on Wednesday was us struggling to understand any usefulness for it in the church at all. Right. That's what you heard. You didn't. I, I, and, and forgive me if it sounded as if I just didn't really understand what it was. Mm-hmm. No, I understand perfectly what it is, but I want to be equitable. And so when you have someone who's saying we need to acknowledge that there are certain aspects of critical race theory that maybe can be taken into consideration when we communicate with each other with, within the context of the church. Mm-hmm then I'm trying to be gracious and I want to really hear that through. And I want to, I want to really hear what the justification is right at the end of the day. I will say this. I disagree that there is any usefulness for critical race theory Mm -hmm. within the context of the church, certainly within the context of the larger society, but I cannot control that Mm -hmm. because the world will do what the world is going to do. That's right. They will adopt philosophies that meet their own needs. We in the body of Christ in the church of the living God have a different standard. That's right. So what I'm looking at, again, and I feel like part of my role as a broadcaster, as a, as a culture watcher, is to play goalie for the church. Mm. So I'm standing at the door of the church, and I'm saying, no, these philosophies have no place among the people Amen. of God. Amen. If, if you look at them, and if you study them, and, and in fact, and I'll say this too, I don't even think you have to study them all that much. Right. I'm not saying that you have to take a course in critical race theory or critical theory or social justice. I'm not saying that you have to take any of those courses, although there are some people who would argue that you do. Mm. I don't think you do. Right. But I think you need to be well versed in the scriptures so that when you hear things that contradict the word of God, you can repudiate those things with the word of God. Let me tell you something in the age where academia is exalted, Mm-hmm. and scholasticism is worshipped, mm-hmm. it's, going to, it's going to make you look a little bit awkward that you still hang on the word of God. Yeah, It's going to make you awkward that you still refer to the scriptures. What does the Bible say? Look, one of the dead giveaways for me and my dealing with social justice warriors was when they said that I didn't understand critical race theory. Essentially, they said I didn't understand that I was oppressed. Now, hang with me here. I had people on social media telling me that I didn't understand that I was oppressed. So I asked them what I might do to learn that I am oppressed. What I, how do I start to understand what is going on? And they told me, here's a list of books you need to read. <laughs> My response to them was, let's say I don't read your books. Show me in scripture what I need to understand mm. about humanity mm-hmm. and then apply that to this situation. Show me in right. scripture what I may be missing. Right. They came back with books that I need to read. In other words, the Bible is not sufficient. Mm. Guys, that is a dead giveaway that this philosophy is incompatible with biblical Christianity. Because what is our final authority? The The Bible. That's right. So if we have to go outside of the Bible to understand these philosophies, 
If we have to go outside of the Bible to understand how we engage with one another, then what is being presented to us is refuse. Mm. I, I mean, yeah. am I okay to say that? I mean, you well, know, I'm, it's some apostle words. <laughs> it's trash. Yeah. And so what I am suggesting very strongly is that it is to be rejected. That's right. Now, I know we only got maybe, do we have a couple minutes? We have a couple minutes, yeah. Can we get into clip number one? It's about a minute and some change here. Yeah. I want you to hear what social justice and critical race theory ultimately looks like in the larger culture. This is Chelsea Handler on The View mm. talking about a documentary that she has worked on or that she has created. It's Hello Privilege, It's Me, Chelsea. She's asked about what made her want to do this documentary. Listen. What made you want to do this particular documentary? Why, why about privilege? Uh, well, there was an election. I don't know if you guys heard about that in 2016. And that me off. Mm -hmm. And it uh, <laughs> made me really take a look at myself. And it take, made me take a look at my own life and my own um, surroundings and how much I had taken for granted as being part of my talent mm -hmm. and my drive and my will to work hard. I didn't take into account the color of my skin and how much easier it was for me, rather than a person of color, to get away with the loud behavior that I was getting away with and being rewarded for it. You know, I got a talk show to make fun of people. Like, people were like, yeah, that's a good move, do that. I'm like, okay, great, I found my calling. And then after a while, you start to question, you know, and then after the election, I was forced to question it. I didn't think racism was the way it used to be. I didn't think sexism was the way it used to be. Yeah. And uh, I was naive and I was living in my own bubble and I decided that I had to do something that was gonna make a contribution rather than taking. It's not just your white skin, it's your blue eyes and your blonde hair too. Yeah, it's all my Aryan features. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so, you know, it was about taking responsibility. It was about putting work out in there, out into the community, into the world that is representative of me taking note, getting my head out of my mind at what other people are struggling with, what other people are going through, and doing something actionable about it, not just thinking about it and going, oh, got that, light bulb's on, but trying to turn the light bulb on for other people who are in my position. So in other words, what Chelsea Handler has got to do to be able to function in the larger society is she has got to confess her privilege. Mm. But what you're going to hear when we get back even the confession of privilege is not enough for you to be redeemed. Watch how it doesn't stop there. And what I want you to think about when we get back is that this is what seeks to infiltrate the church. Yeah. All right, we'll grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. They said that boy insane, he gone, he lost his brain. He too zealous, he just trying to go against the grain. He got his whole life ahead of him, so this is strange. But they don't get that getting other shit just isn't game. And marriage isn't pain, in fact it's love and joy. Gas plan for man and woman, they want to destroy. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. Right now, we're, we turned our attention back to Wednesday, I guess, when we were talking about critical race theory, mm -hmm. intersectionality, social justice. Um, critical theory, which would be the basis for all of these other theories that really pit people against one another. Um, one of the things that I pointed out that is different about what we're talking about when we talk to the younger generation and we talk about Marxism, what we are trying to describe to them is classical Marxism, which pits the haves against the have nots, mm -hmm. right? But that kind of, that was kind of difficult to maintain 
when you have people who are able to live in a representative form of government where they're able to choose their leaders. So it's not just the ruling class over, you know, the little worker bees and those who have no power. It's wait, hold on a second. We actually do have power. Mm -hmm. We get to choose our elected officials. Well, understanding the influence of this, the, the, the newest iteration of it, and which is not new, we're talking about decades of this, is cultural Marxism, mm-hmm. where now you have an endless supply of victims because it's not just about who has power and who doesn't. It's about who is oppressed and who isn't. And we get to recreate daily victims. So every time you have someone who gets out of this oppression, there is someone else ready to step into their place. And in fact, I would say this, the definition of the person who is oppressed mm-hmm. is that they are always trying to get out of their oppression. Mm-hmm. So they That's never no they end. never get out of it, yeah. right? And the oppressor does not ever cease to be the oppressor because the things that define him or her as the oppressor cannot leave them. Mm-hmm. So you can't shed yeah. your color of skin. Right. Right. You can't get rid of your blue eyes, right. at least naturally. You understand what <laughs> right. I'm saying? You can't, you can't get rid of those things. You can't get rid of your family name right. unless you try to. Yeah. So in other words, what they found a brilliant way or a brilliant way of creating is a perpetual underclass. Mm. So now I want you to think about this. If the oppressed class can be redefined and can be um, refueled, <laughs> Mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. um, by simply expanding the definitions of people's sexuality, people's gender. Now, remember, in our culture, we said that people can be non-binary. They can be neither male nor female. Mm-hmm. They can be whatever they want. So as many people as you can create in your mind, mm-hmm. that is an oppressed group of people. Wow. Yeah. Now, just think about that. So we're saying there's aspects of that that may in some ways be useful in the in the context of a church conversation. I don't see it at all. There's no way. I don't see it. There is no way. Repentance becomes, and, and, I, and I was trying to describe this. We were talking about this um, at our fellowship one evening. And here is how I describe this. And, you know, it almost becomes a modern day sort of um, Salem witch trials, mm-hmm. right? Where if you want to get off, on this, like if you don't want to have to face the charges, if you if you want to be acquitted, okay, mm-hmm. all you've got to do is say you're a witch. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get off today in our culture, all you've got to do is say you're racist. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't stop there. You've got to say that you will always be a racist and that you will spend the rest of your life trying to make now, it who's right. Who's going to live like that? So who's, think about that. That's crazy. Right? So now, how do you win? You don't you just can't like in win. the Salem witch trials. You can't win because you either confess to something that isn't true. Or you deny it and you're burned at the stake. <laughs> or you're called white and fragile. <laughs> man, man. You can't win. You can't win. You, there, is, there is no win for you. So right. I want you to listen to it in this. This is cut too. Again, Chelsea Handler, I think this documentary that she's producing is for Netflix, which I, I'm not endorsing that, <laughs> no. but that's a dead giveaway. <laughs> it's called Hello Privilege. I'm, it's me, Chelsea. Hello Privilege. It's me, Chelsea. I want you to listen very carefully in, in cut number two because she is asked about an incident where she goes to USC to an open mic night. So an open mic night night at USC, Mm -hmm. and there's black students there. And listen as she describes. Now, again, this is Chelsea Handler trying to to outrun her distinction as the oppressor. And she thinks that she'll be able to do this 
by simply acknowledging her privilege. So again, what she's trying to do is get off the stake. She doesn't want to be burned at the stake. Right. So she thinks what she's going to do is say, hey, I have privilege, which is confession. I'm a witch. So I'm supposed to get off the stake. <laughs> but watch how she describes herself that that is not at all what happens. Cut to. It wasn't welcoming, you know. It was uh, there were there were black people in that room that were taking me to task, saying, "All you do is come in here and take, take, take." You making a, a documentary about white privilege is an example of your privilege, and I y yes, that is correct. Mm. And it was good for me to hear. I like to be in uncomfortable situations. I, I want my I want my opinion changed. I want to think differently. Mm. Um, so instead of trying to convince people of my opinion, I wanted to be in a situation where my opinion was going to change from others. And um, having them kind of put me in my place was a great place to start for me. I get it. I am taking. I've taken a lot, and I want to give back. And I think it, it was a necessary conversation. And by the way, the whole problem is that white people don't want to be uncomfortable talking about these things. They don't want to ask the wrong questions. They don't want to offend black people. They don't want to say the wrong thing. Guess what? It's okay to be uncomfortable. Like, we can afford to be a little uncomfortable after everything that's happened and stretch our kind of brains and our bodies to, to put ourselves in situations that aren't natural, yeah. that some, aren't comfortable. Some... Mm, so... <laughs> Man. <laughs> So this is what we welcome <laughs> into the church like this type of. So you can't win. No. So even you saying that I have a certain amount of white privilege is using your privilege to do it. You're going to just blaze up in here and make a documentary saying that you have you're confessing to being a witch. Mm. Even your confession is not good enough. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So there is no way that you ever get to outrun this. And again, back to Will's point. My question is, how then do we find use for this in the body of Christ. My position is that there isn't any use for it. No, that's my position. Th there, there is none. I, I mean, I understand like what our, our guest was saying, Stephen, you know, and trying to have a resolution in place that would at least be able to push back on, you know, but, and I think he would agree that none of this stuff is really useful, mm -mm. you know, in the body of Christ, it's all anti, you know, what we stand for as biblical truth. There's no redemption. Yeah, there's no redemption. It is actually antithetical to what we know about the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. That in the cross or at the cross, because of the cross, there is redemption. There is forgiveness of sin and that the Lord does not continue to bring up and hold against us our sin, that we are truly forgiven. Mm. If we don't have that among one another, uh, among one another within the context of the church, we're actually violating the basic tenets of our faith, mm -hmm. whereby we understand that we have been forgiven much. Right, right. Which one of us, if we stack up our offenses, can compare our offense, our personal offense, to our offense of a holy and righteous God? Which mm -hmm. one of us? Whose Not offense me. is, you, you, <laughs> where you could say, look, and I was even thinking, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And in this podcast, it was, uh, it was an interview of a guy who's written a book. I won't say the book just yet. I, I'm thinking about whether or not I want to do something with it. So, mm -hmm. But until I, until I dissect it, I'll just hold the name of the book. And he's talking about his book that he wrote, and he's talking about this one particular chapter where he includes a lynching, right? And, he, and this guy is, happens to be an evangelical who is black, right? And he's talking about he had to paint a picture, had to show that the church looked away while black people in America were being lynched. That's what he said. He said, and so he includes a story about a young woman 
who was, and excuse me, this is graphic, so if you've, if you've got littles listening, you might not want them to listen, all right? But he includes a story, this is a true story, of a young woman who was lynched in the South while she was eight months pregnant. Mm. And she was hanged from a tree um, by her feet, set on fire, and had her baby cut from her womb and murdered, mm. and, and she was consequently murdered. Yeah. Um, and he said, I included that because I, I don't want the church to look away from that. And he says, you know, we need to understand that. We need to feel that. And as I was listening to his, <laughs> his, you know, recounting that, and I was like, man, that is horrific. He even tied it into saying, so when you have white evangelicals, which not only white evangelicals care about life, all right? Black evangelicals care about life. The church is supposed to care about life. Mm-hmm. So those who care about life are to be as varied as those who comprise the church. Mm. So he said he, he included this in the in this um, in his book that he wrote mm-hmm. because he doesn't want the church to basically look away from that. He wants the church to remember that, to see that. And when you hear something like that, if you're weak in your thinking, you would go, man, what can we do? We need to write this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and, and especially if you're white, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You start to feel like guilt. You yeah. start to think, man, what is there something? Because how do we, how does, does, and, and look, I, I, I was, um, I was thinking about this myself and I was thinking about, and I share this with you, Will, God understands, God knows the spectacle that is a public hanging for the entertainment of onlookers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now think about this saints of God, because you've got social justice warriors who will get in your face and say, you don't know, you don't understand. There's no way. And, and, and this same God that you preach, this same Jesus that you preach, and people looked away. Well, those people are responsible for what they did. Mm-hmm. That's right. This is not the fathers have mm. eaten grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Mm-hmm. This is each man is responsible for what he has done. You alone stand before God. You are responsible for what you have done. And when you think about this, you go, wait a minute. Our God understands public hangings. Hmm. He understands people gathering around to watch and to cheer and to gamble for the clothes of his son. So when we take a step back, we say, man, if we can't find wholeness and healing and forgiveness in the cross of Christ, then why do we put so much stock in what Jesus did? And not only that, Mm. that he was raised again for us. This is a problem for me, saints. This is a problem. If we continue doubling back to this, there is no end. You don't get to jump off this merry-go-round. It just keeps going around and around. Here's the last clip, and then we'll open the phone lines and bring our listeners in on the conversation as well. This is cut three. Chelsea Handler. And I think I, and when I started the documentary, I had this idea that I was woke, that I knew what I, you know, I was like, I'm with it. I, I know what's going on. I know how to be a good advocate and ally to people of color. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you look at yourself, it's like I moved from, you know, New Jersey to Santa Monica to, to Brentwood to Bel Air. Well, white areas. I, I am Very exactly white. the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought about living in a more diverse neighborhood. I never thought about opening my brain in that way. So it was a lot to learn, and I'm so grateful that I have, you know? I mean, it's still learning. It's not like I'm cooked and I'm ready to rumble. I need to <laughs> still, you know, we all have to learn how to be better. So this, let me tell you something. The, the highest esteem, let me open the phone lines, 
589-8840. You can comment on anything we've talked about all this week. Now, look back to this. The highest badge of honor, the highest esteem among social justice warriors, among those who think they're woke, the, the highest honor is for people to always be trying to move toward liberation. Mm. That's where you're always going. You're always trying to get free. You're trying to, so if you're trying to get free, then you are the celebrated victim. Mm. This is why people like me and you, Will, don't fit in. This is why people like Candace Owens doesn't fit in. Right. All right? Th this, because anybody who says they're free, then you are not a protected class. Yes. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, right. you're not a victim. In it. Wait a minute. What do you mean you're free? <laughs> now, look, I'm going to, man, man, can we man. keep it 100, Will? Can yeah, I just really? Yeah, okay, look, definitely. man. Look, I. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Look, man, look. All right. I grew up without a father. Mm-hmm. There's not anybody that I grew up with that understood the context of the environment that they were in. Okay. And I'm trying to be very careful here. There's not anyone that I grew up with who was like, man, I hope we never leave this neighborhood. Hmm. I hope we live here, raise children here, die here and be buried. None, <laughs> none. The entirety of the aim was when I was growing up, you better get your education, education so, so you can, can leave out. the hood. Yeah. So Chelsea Handler is being ridiculous to talk about because I went from New Jersey to Brentwood <laughs> to Bel Air. To Bel -Air. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Anybody given an opportunity who doesn't look like you, Chelsea, would be doing the same thing. Yeah. I bet Whoopi Goldberg sitting there probably was like, and uh, I'm, I'm not going. <laughs> do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. Do you know what happens? God calls people. Now, listen, this is. If God calls you mm -hmm. to go back and live in an environment, and I know people where God has oh, called yeah. them to be there, oh, yeah. and they're, they're like, man, you know, it's not safe. You know, we have to have bars on our windows, but the Lord has called us here mm -hmm. as missionaries to be yeah. salt and to be light. So we, we joyfully follow the Lord in this. That's right. But for everybody else, if you are growing up in the hood, if you are raised in that kind of environment where all around you, where you've got people who, you know, they, <laughs> bottom line, your goal is to get out. Right. Whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether you're white, your goal is to get out. And the thing about it, your parents' goal is for you to get out a lot of times too. They they want you to go beyond what they That's have. That's exactly if right. If they're good parents, they're like, I want you to do better. Come on, man. So where do we get this idea? It's like you you know to to be there. You know, it's it, you you're proving how black you are or how woke you are or how woke you are. Because that's what the theory calls for. The theory calls for a celebration of all who are oppressed. And what better way to prove your oppression than to live in a neighborhood that is undesirable? Mm. All right, let's get in a call before we go to this break. 888-589-8840. Will the Gray, where do we go first? Uh, let's go to Larry in Tennessee. Hi, Larry. Hello, cousin. Uh, i tell you what. I got a very good education I was born 85 years after the Civil War was over, and I got to know two freed slaves. One was three months old, and the other one was 11 months old, so that would put them around 85 when I was born. And so three, four, five years old, they were in like, uh, they were nine years old. I learned about the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. I learned about the NRA because it was created by 
Republicans to help freed slaves. Come on, Larry. Larry, let me do this. I got to grab this break. We'll pick up with your call when we get back. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay close. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. I'm sorry, Will. It's supposed to be a Friday. We're supposed to do a lighter show on Fridays, <laughs> not weigh people down so much as they go into their weekends. Well, it's, it's a recap of what happened, yeah. so, you know. Here's looking back. Yeah. All right, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's uh, actually Thizzle with Greater City. Sherry B is in Studio CC, and the phone lines are really packed, so I'm going to try to move as expeditiously through the phone lines as I can. Okay. Where do we go? We go back to go back to, Larry. to uh, Larry. Okay. Larry, are you there? Yes, sir. Uh, I want to tell you, I've done a lot of research on a skin color, which you can take one crayon and make everyone's skin color. What color was Mohammed? Okay, he was white. He was really white. Okay. So you say you're saying he's a, he was a lighter brown because Ken Ham tells us that That's, all of us are shades of brown. I'm a, I'm number thirty. I, I'm around twenty three on the thirty six shades of brown. Uh, Larry, listen, yeah. listen. I gotta run. I want to squeeze in I'm, some other calls, but let me just tell you this, Larry. Thank you so much for calling. I like how I think he started off his call by saying hello, cousin. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay, because <laughs> that's family right there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's go to back to the phone lines. Really great. Uh, we have Mickey in Arkansas. Hey, Mickey. Hey, how are y'all? Hey. Good, good. Yes, I was listening to Chelsea Handler. Uh, I'm kind of <laughs> mad at y'all because y'all made me listen to The View. But anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm mad at myself. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Go ahead. I got I to gotta wash my ears out when I get home. <laughs> oh, my but, goodness. Um, but I, I am a adopt. Um, well, we fostered for, we fostered 23 children. But um, when I found out about the need in foster care, I prayed about, um, you know, the type of child I wanted God to send me. And I honestly prayed for a biracial little girl, Mm -hmm. half Hispanic, half black, between one and two. And our first foster child out of 23 was an 18-month-old, half Hispanic, half black little girl that we got to adopt. And I mean, you know, praise to God because he heard us. But my, what I called in for listening to her it wasn't long ago someone asked me if I thought I was raising my daughter around too much white. Hmm. And um, I said, I don't guess I think of it that way because I'm more worried about raising her around too much hate and not enough love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm more worried about raising her in a Christian home and yeah. making sure that she knows Jesus is first and foremost in our life. Mickey, yeah. let me tell yeah. you something. That is your drop the mic moment. Yeah. I will not add <laughs> to that because it, there is nothing that needs to be added to that. Right. That's what counts. I mean, you know. Boom. Christian home around, you know, the good stuff. Not I really hope race. Mickey, I, I don't know Mickey's personality at all, but she's got a little bit of a sense of humor there because she's going to go wash her ears out. <laughs> I will say this. I hope that when you said that, um, Mickey, that you gave a little snap. <laughs> I, hope that, <laughs> I hope that you were like, you know what? I'm concerned that I would not be raising her around enough Jesus. That's right. <laughs> just, give, just give a little snap. That's a right. A little head nod, a little head bob, just something with a little attitude. Let people know they don't scare you. 
You know, we, we don't need to be intimidated by people's questions and threatened by them. That's right. God has, man, God has given us the kind of courage that we need to stand in our day. Amen. And we can respond to these people's ridiculous questions with the kind of courage, with the kind of fervor that will back them down. Mm. That I'm, I'm, I'm sick of seeing this happen in the body of That's Christ. Right. That's right. I expect the world to do what they're going to do. Right. But when I see this infiltrating the church, I become incensed, guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right, back to the phone lines. Let's go to Adolphus in Kansas. Go ahead. Hey. Hey. Hey, family. How y'all hey, doing? Hey, what's up? Good, I good. appreciate y'all. I appreciate the show. You guys are bomb, man. You guys keep it real, and that's we love that <laughs> out oh, here in you. Kansas. Thank you. Um, and I just wanted to say that you guys hit the nail right on the head when you talk about that critical race theory that, hey, that's nowhere in the church, man. Come on. Because if, when you become a new creation— in the blood, washed in the blood. Come on. Hey, I'm new. Come I'm on. not attached to any more of these worldly, uh, you know, things that they have put upon us to separate us. That's right. We're right. all new, and we are all in Christ. That's and right. We just see each other as brothers, Amen. And sisters, and you know, family, and 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 that's our fault for not standing up to that and saying, hey, no, that's wrong. Mm. You know, and I and I and I'm an African American male, and I want to call my people out because we do that at at a at a high level. Mm. Right. And and I do that at, at times and I have to check my own. Come on, Adolphus. Yes. That, you know what? Hey, hey, he's my brother. That's, That's right. right. You know, it's hard. It's hard to sometimes to 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 remember what you are is this new creation washed in the blood. Man, like you said, Will, hey, I don't want to be trying to stack my sins up against, you know, whatever. <laughs> I want to just. Be thankful that he remembered me in the blood. Amen. Amen. God Thank bless you, you Adolphus. Look, let me let me encourage everybody. I'm going to give you a little experiment, a little assignment, and it's only for the it's only for the brave of heart, right? This is not <laughs> for the faint of heart. Let me give you a little bit of an assignment here, and this can happen within our cultural circles, okay? Because we exist, some of us, in cultural circles where you know we we may all kind of favor each other. We may all be of the same hue. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the next time you're talking to somebody and, and you're within the body of Christ, now this only works within the body of Christ. You, you talk to a heathen, you're going to get a heathen response. Right. But, but let's provoke one another toward righteousness and toward love, right? Yeah. So for example, I use myself as an example. If I'm talking to somebody who is a darker brown, all right? Because remember, mm-hmm. we're just shades of brown, okay? Mm-hmm. So if I'm talking to somebody who's a darker brown and someone says to me, well, you know how they are <laughs> and you know what they do, mm. I want to challenge you I've done it. I want to challenge you to say, who's the they mm-hmm. that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? That's good. Do you mean wicked people? Come on. Because I only think in two major categories of people, on, those man. who are saved and those who aren't. Come on, man. So I want to challenge you. If you're of the lighter brown and you're talking to people and you're like, well, there they go. <laughs> and you hear somebody say, that's just what they do. I want to challenge you to represent Christ well and say, that's they good. who? Yeah. What do you mean? Who's your they? Yeah. Do no, you, are you referring to people by just the color of their skin? That's ridiculous. Yeah. My they is the wicked. When I look at radical liberals, when I look at wicked and evil men who want to subvert righteousness, mm-hmm. who want to undermine truth, I say, there they go. Mm. That is what they do because their father is the devil. Come on. But that shouldn't be, <laughs> that shouldn't be the kind of language that we use among ourselves. Man, let's good. go back to the phone lines, Will the Great. Uh, let's go to Rick in Louisiana. Hi, Rick. Mr. and Miss Addison, thank you for speaking with me. How are you doing today? Good. Good. Great to hear from you. I'm an old guy who has lived a blessed life, 
And one of my great experiences in life is that for seven years, I went to a black church, and I was the only white guy that went there. Mm-hmm. And it was just the most incredible experience. I know there's a lot of uh, bad things y'all been talking about in relation to races, but uh, I never became a black person. Nobody there became a white person. But <laughs> they treated me with the greatest kindness Amen. in that church. The Lord Amen. had other things for me to do, so I'm not at that church anymore. But it wasn't a great experience, and i got to tell you, it really was a lot of fun to watch the folks at that church because even though they never told me, I know secretly they nicknamed me Token because I was the white guy there, and they loved to show me off to other oh congregations <laughs> who were all black, and they didn't have anybody white. Oh and Rick, it, it Rick, was, it was funny. Rick, it was, Rick, yeah. brother. <laughs> brother, I love that you thought that was funny, brother. Yeah, yeah. Brother, I think I think that'll wait around. That's it, awful. It, 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 you know, that like, is nah. awful. I, I mean, I would, <laughs> see. This is why I, I'm telling you. I learn. I learn. I learn better as I get older to keep my opinions to myself. Because <laughs> had I had I met someone that was like, "Hey, let me show you our white congregant." Man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I I would I would have been like, "You're what?" Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to do that. You know. But I understand what Rick is but saying. But you say Rick, it was funny. It's all he, he was okay. He was okay I, with it. He was yeah, okay. Yeah. Now you know, critical race theorists would, <laughs> would say, "Were you okay?" <laughs> they would say, "You didn't know you were oppressed. You were being oppressed." But then, not really, because the church is black, so right, black so people can't oppress. Yeah. So. Anyway, hey Rick, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> I'm just having a little bit of fun with you. I don't want I don't want to take away from what you're saying, but I appreciate you sharing that beautiful experience. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Justin in Ohio. Hi, Justin. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Yeah, I, I will say I love your show. You guys are like two sticks of dynamite in the face of liberals, and I love it. Boom. It makes me <laughs> smile every time. Yeah. Well, cool. So, um, but, you know, with this whole critical race theory, you know, the Bible does divide people into groups, but not the groups they're talking about. <laughs> That's right. You know, Paul said, Paul said there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. Mm-hmm. The only groups that matter are sheep and goats. <laughs> and, yes. you know, in the in the very end, there's only going to be two groups of people. That's right. Those to whom, those people that they say to God, thy will be done, and those people to whom God says, thy will be done. Mm, look. And, yeah. you know, I, we, we just need to get our heads wrapped around it and, you know, get get out of the culture and start getting into the Word more, and that way we can identify these things when they crop up and they're not creeping into our heads. Yeah, no, it's right. It's And, and let me say this, too. This is why we spend so much time on this, because we want the body of Christ to be discerning. Amen. We want the body of Christ to be able to recognize. And I want to say something to Justin's point, because I I thought about this as he was speaking. It is incredible to me. It's so interesting that while at the same time we understand that there's two groups of people, that we've got those who are on the Lord's side and those who aren't. Right. The Bible is very clear that gathered around the throne and Mm, lifting up praise and worship to the Lord are people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue. That's right. So I want people to understand that what I'm not trying to do, and I don't think Justin was saying this, but it prompted my thinking as he was speaking. Yeah. What I'm not trying to do is dismiss the beautiful work of God in his creation. God created it. Yeah. This is what God has done. That's right. And understand that if seeing the differences in how we are made, if seeing those differences were sin, then it would be it would be eradicated in eternity. Hmm. The fact that the Apostle John lets us know that he can clearly distinguish different tribes and nations and tongues 
lets us know that this is not a mistake of God. That's right. This is the beauty of God. This is God displaying his glory and his creation. That's so right. I will tell you this, and, and you know, I've said this before. I know people can disagree with it if they, if they want, but I tell people, stop saying you don't see color. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, you know, I just eat. I don't taste food. <laughs> I just eat. I know I need nourishment. I know I'm not, you know, I just eat. Excuse me. Then you could go to Popeye's. You don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm sorry. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. No, really, here's the point that I'm making. We have to eat to live, mm-hmm. right? But our benevolent and gracious God gave us taste buds whereby we can enjoy what we eat. He's That's given right. us the amazing privilege of being able to enjoy nourishing our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. Yeah. So the the beauty of seeing our differences is not something we should avoid right. so that we don't get painted into a corner that the culture is trying to paint us into. You don't, don't obligate yourself to saying, I don't see color. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, um, I do. <laughs> yeah. I see color. Mm-hmm. What you mean is that you're not making a judgment about people based on their color alone. Yeah. Now look, if they got some other activities coupled with that color, Right. They're looking a little shady. Guess what? I'm judging you. Right. (laughs) I'm judging. Man, people make you look if I man if look. (laughs) If I get nervous, you get close to my car, I'm locking the door. (laughs) I don't care if you think I'm judging you. Mm -hmm. I am judging you and I'm making the judgment that I need to protect my kids that are in this van. It's not a van, but whatever. I don't (laughs) guess we do a show on that later. I can do a show on that later. Anyways, back to the phone line. All right. Let's go to Ken in Maryland. Hey, Ken. Hi. Hi, Will. Hi, Miki. How you doing? doing hey, good. Um, just real quick, mm-hmm. I went, I got a couple of things to say. Um, uh, about uh, what Miki was saying about the, the victim narrative, and there'll always be another victim waiting. Uh, they'll, be, they'll have another victim waiting in line to put them up there as soon as the uh, current victim um, problem is solved, and, and that's true. It, it'll never, never end. They'll they'll never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. There'll always be another victim. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing um, is that the, the way I feel about the the white privilege narrative in particular is I just blow it off. I don't buy the lie. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not a racist. I know other people aren't racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that the the whole racism issue is in the mind of the person who's pointing the finger calling racism mm. um and 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 the other thing about these people pushing this narrative like the woman in the clip that you played mm-hmm. um I, I hear in her voice uh she's unhappy she's very insecure she's yes. looking for validation yes mm-hmm. and the only place that we can find validation is in jesus christ that's Come right on, and that's what right. he did for us that's right. That, that's all I have to say. And thank you for bringing all of this to our attention. That's good. Oh, thank God you. bless you, man. That is that is a beautiful moment right there that our brother Ken just kind of led us into because mm-hmm. he's spot on. Yeah. What you hear in Chelsea Handler's voice is insecurity. Yep. And you hear this desire for approval. Right. She is seeking to be forgiven. Yeah. But what she doesn't need is the forgiveness of man unless, in fact, she has transgressed against someone directly. Hmm. Then she needs to go Mm -hmm. to that person and seek forgiveness. This is a good thing. But what she is seeking in totality, the overall desire of her heart, is to be forgiven, to be absolved, to be justified. And our brother Ken hit it right on the head. Mm -hmm. There's no way to do this in going on an apology tour 
<laughs> you don't do this in making a white privilege documentary. Right. This kind of forgiveness and justification that Chelsea Handler and others like her are seeking is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. He, as David said, forgives the guilt of our sin. Amen. Not only does he erase our sin, but he forgives the guilt that we carry around as a result of it. You got to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be free. Until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.